Hey guys, and welcome to episode 27 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Let me tell you now, it's going to be a cracker. So, here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome back to the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you've had a good week and um, I hope you're feeling well. Had some great feedback from the episode last week with the guys from Guilty Superfoods. So thank you very much for that. And also been having it once again. I can keep saying it because it's really relevant. Everyone who's been who's joined the free four-day mini course, they've really had their eyes open. They've got some great messages through. So well done for the guys on that um, if you're listening. Well done. Keep doing your thing. And for those of you that are going through an issue of your own, whether it be chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issue, a skin issue, a gut issue, whatever it may be, a chronic problem that you've had, maybe it's weight you can't lose, then give me a shout at ryan at reviveyourself.co. Uh, give me a message. Ask me for the link. I'll send it to you for that free 48 minute course. And it should now be up on our website anyway at www.reviveyourself.co. Um, if not. And uh, also, guys, I've been saying we get some great interaction as well on the Facebook page over at Her. So well done for getting onto that as well. Lots of free posts and information there. Um, anyway, today's episode is one that I've been wanting to do for a while. The lady we've got on is a world-renowned expert in this topic. In fact, I'd say she is the leading authority in the whole world on this. Um, and it's absolutely privileged to be speaking to her. Um, that lady is Dr. Deborah Davis. And um, I mean, I just want to tell you a little bit about her. She's currently a visiting professor at the Medicine of the Hebrew University um, in Jerusalem and uh, Israel. Uh, she's also uh, a visiting professor um, at the Onkukaz Mayers University Medical School in Turkey. Uh, she's an expert in this field uh, and she was a founding director for the Centre of Environmental Oncology at the University of Pittsburgh, the Cancer Institute, where she's looking into environmental factors that contribute to cancers. Um, she founded the non-profit Environmental Health Trust in 2007 in Teton County, Wyoming, to provide basic research and education about environmental health hazards to people. Um, this is how this is how good she is. President Clinton actually appointed her um, to to be the, the newly established Chemical Safety and Hazard Investigation Board to to be on that that, that board, and that was from 1994 to 99. Um, to be an independent branch agency or that investigates, prevents, and mitigates chemical accidents. Um, she's also been a senior advisor to the Assistant Secretary of Health in the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, she's counseled leading officials in the United States, the United Nations, European Environment Agency, the Pan American Health Organization, the World Health Organization, and, and the World Bank, um, and served as a member of the Board of Scientific Counselors of the U.S. National Toxicology Program from um, 19. Uh, sorry, from 1983 to 86, as well as various advisory committees to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, she holds a Bachelor of Science in Physiological Psychology, and she holds a M.A. in Sociology from the University of Pittsburgh. Um, she also completed a Ph.D. in Science Studies um, and, and Epidemiology as well um, from the John Hopkins University. I mean, she's. She's her her CV is a, a what's what and who's who of anything you need when you're talking about issues so important um so important to humanity as this this is an issue obviously as I said before we are we are the world is an experiment and we are the lab rats in this um and we're talking about mobile phone radiation and Wi-Fi. Um, it's it's something that it's only been around for about 30 years and not to the level it is now they were even talking about 5G and putting up pylons uh, which is something that we go into so without further ado guys and girls here she is the lady herself and as always enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side 
Hey guys, and welcome to episode 27 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Today's episode is going to be a cracker, I already know that. We're here with Dr. Deborah Davis, and we're going to be talking about the truth about mobile phone and wireless radiation. So, just quickly, Deborah, how are you today? Uh, just coming from Wyoming, so how's the weather over there? Uh, it's just gorgeous, cool in the mornings and warm in the afternoons. Oh, awesome. So, De- Deborah, just quickly a little bit, um, we're, we're going through background quickly, but she's part of a Nobel Prize winning team in 2007, and you can find her and her work at www.ehtrust.org. So, um, Deborah, just, just quickly, how long have you been studying about radiation and wireless frequencies, and was it always your passion? No, and I let me tell you, when I started out, I owned three phones. I do not any longer own three of them, um, but I was a big user, and when I first heard there could be a problem, I didn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it, and uh, <clears throat> the more I looked, the more concerned I became. That was probably, it's been over a decade now uh, that I first became aware of this issue. I was trained in cancer epidemiology, and so, of course, I knew all about the dangers of ionizing radiation and the lengths that we went to to protect children, particularly in terms of CAT scans and x-rays, how you adjust the machines to their smaller bodies and their thinner skulls uh, because you don't want to expose them to too much radiation. So I began to look into what we know about non-ionizing radiation otherwise known as microwave radiation from cell phones and cordless phones and baby monitors and routers and so-called laptops. And the more I looked, the more concerned I became. And then my first grandchild was born. Now that's 12 years ago. So I guess at that time, when he was nine months old, he could find a phone, turn it on and play a game. Now at first I thought, wow, what a bright little boy. But that's when I started to look. And having served on the Centers for Disease Control Committee that set the standards for lead in children, where we determined there was no safe level of lead for kids, really, and we had to set the level at a feasible level. And now they've reduced it just about every decade. It comes down to now where they're currently saying there is no safe level of lead for children. Having worked with the CDC... I was aware that we went to great lengths to protect children, and I began to become puzzled about why we weren't doing more with respect to this and why we were assuming that everything was fine. Mm. I mean, the, the thing, the thing yeah, why are we assuming it's fine? I think I've heard you say, well, you mentioned there about epidemi- epidemiology, um, but you study environmental oncology. Is that correct? Correct. And let me explain. I'm trained in both epidemiology and toxicology. Now, epidemiology studies the past. Mm -hmm. It tells you what people were exposed to in the past or what foods they may have eaten or what activities they may have engaged in and what vaccines or toxic substances they were exposed to. And then it tells you what diseases or problems they developed associated with those past exposures. Toxicology studies and tries to predict the future. What it does in the case of developing pharmaceuticals, it studies animals under controlled conditions with specified species of animals, usually mice and rats, sometimes even fruit flies, rabbits, and looks at how they react to to chemicals, for example, potentially a new drug to treat heart disease or cholesterol, and then determines the consequences for those animals. Now, the reason we study animals is to predict effects in humans and prevent them. So when it comes to drugs, we go to great lengths to study animals first, and then we do small pilot tests in small groups of people called clinical trials under controlled conditions. And then we allow drugs to be introduced. We don't frankly do a very good job, as you have yourself commented in the past, in monitoring the effects of drugs and other things on people once they're introduced. But we do go through this process that starts with relying on animal testing. Now, with respect to microwave radiation from cell phones and cordless phones and other devices, we have never gone through that same kind of test. And so we end up debating whether we have proof now of human harm from past exposures. I believe, and my colleagues share with me in this view, that we now have enough experimental evidence on animals 
as well as human evidence that to, to conclude that cell phone radiation is a human carcinogen, a class one human carcinogen. We recently held a meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where Professor Anthony B. Miller, Professor Emeritus at the University of Toronto, member of the Royal Colleges of Physicians of the UK and Canada, and a distinguished long-serving consultant advisor to the World Health Organization, declared that based on his opinion, cell phone radiation and cordless phone radiation should be called a class one human carcinogen. At that same meeting, Professor Ani Sasko, trained with her PhD from Harvard and her MD from France, who was a professor at the University of Bordeaux, concurred in that opinion. And she also did serve at the International Agency for Research on Cancer at the World Health Organization in Lyon for almost 20 years. Her last post was as Chief of Cancer Prevention and Epidemiology. So they were at this meeting with me in Jackson Hole, along with Professor Iris Udison of Rutgers University, where she holds a position in occupational medicine and is director of the studies of the survivors of the 9-11 second respond, first responders. And they all agreed in this evaluation. That is, the combined weight of the evidence now from animals and humans indicates that cell phone radiation is and should be classified as a human carcinogen. I mean, I mean anyone, any, any, anyone in the audience listening, I think that's quite a damning uh, verdict there from a lot of people who are, know what they're talking about. Um, and especially, I didn't even, I, I, will, I will do it at the beginning of, of, the, of the show, guys. I'll read out the long list that Deborah has in her PhDs, etc. We're talking to an extremely intelligent woman here. So anyone listening, um, the type 1 carcinogen... Um, I mean, that's like there with lead and plutonium. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you. I think you even mentioned. I mean, there's so much. I actually, I've got so many questions for you, but because I, 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 this, this is like, as you said, I've even heard you say, as you said before, we haven't tested them on animals, and you do environmental oncology, which is environmental factors that cause cancer, and you've even said before, we are the experiment, we are the test sample, because. This is this has never been researched before. I mean, is the phones have only been around 20, 30 years, right? And so, this is what's happening to us, to people, and they've gone from being uh, something that people used now and again to something that people literally it's on them twenty four seven, and they're being affected by radio um, radiation and obviously Wi Fi. So I think you even even said once uh, you're talking. Um, I was w- watching some of your videos. You've done some of your lectures, and you said there's. 6 billion cell phones, 8 billion wireless, wireless transmitting devices, 50 billion I anticipated um, to form the Internet of Things, and we don't know a lot about this radiation. I mean, it's quite a scary, scary thought. Um, well, I think there are ways we can reduce our exposures, but the first thing that we must do now is put the brakes on what is being called 5G. 5G, 5G yes, 5G is the foundation for the internet of things and it's going to be and and what it requires right now is the construction of 30 foot tall towers about every hundred meters or less on top of which would be affixed a small refrigerator sized antenna that could be powered at up several watts and could be located according to some of the proposed laws right outside your bedroom window in an urban environment. Oh, lovely. And there are proposals before several U.S. state legislatures now to introduce this uh, throughout the United States and to preempt any local opposition. Yeah, well, I can imagine they're, they're a bit highly invested in this sort of stuff. I mean, Well, there's already been uh, uh, probably a, a billion dollars invested in 5G as well. And I, in London, they're already talking about bringing 5G to central London uh, with new routers that would spell the end of the fixed line broadband. Right. They're going to put up a trial. And I think that your listeners and you should be aware of this. They expect it to roll out overall in 2020. But the trial network is coming uh, to London, I believe, this fall 
and um, maybe starting right now, it's going to allow you to download a film to your phone in one second. But I'm hoping that Boris, I'm hoping that your current mayor will understand that that's not necessarily worthwhile destroying the environment and of, of, of London to do it. Uh, now, right. Yes, I was going to say, it's not just not Boris Johnson, it's Sadiq Khan, and I really don't think he'd be with you on that, but I hope he is. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there's, I mean, Boris Johnson was, was a bit um, unenthused about it, but I don't know what the current mayor's view is. And, of course, you've got much bigger problems, immediate problems than this right now. But <clears throat> there is certainly um, a proposal um, to bring 5G in this form. Now, we may well need something like 5G, but it's going to have to be, in my opinion, these things are going to have to be done with fiber optic wired cables, and we're going to have to be more clever at how we do that. Yeah. So, if, I mean, it's no good being able to download a film in, in a second if, if you're giving everyone cancer. Uh, well, that's the Let me just say, you're not going to give everyone cancer. That's okay. the issue. Right. You're going to give... If cancer rates for brain cancer were to quadruple, mm -hmm. they would go from about 9 per 100,000 to 36 per 100,000. Right. And that's, that is not, um, you know, that's a big increase if you're the person. But it really is not going to show up as an epidemic. And in fact, we don't have an epidemic now of brain cancer for several reasons, which we discuss on our website, which is E H trust.org and chiefly we know that it takes a long time for brain cancer to develop in a population that's been exposed to something that could cause it and we know that for example because <clears throat> studies have been done of the survivors of the Hiroshima bombs which fell at the end of World War II yeah. and we and all of those survivors now have been tracked for almost 70 years and the brain cancer rate in them did not start to increase until 40 years had passed from the exposure. So <clears throat> think about how much we have changed our use of cell phones now compared to uh, even four years ago. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, the thing is, you said there, 9 to 36, um, it's, it's just... It's not just the brain cancer, though, is it? Because people are, are keeping these devices in their pockets, and men right next to their testicles, women, a lot of them are sitting right. in, their, in their bra. Um, right. And, and, and it's 24-7. They're in their hands. I know Dr. McCullough, for example, I don't know if you know Dr. but probably do know Dr. McCullough. He, he'll only carry his phone using a selfie stick because of the research, obviously. He's, he's listening well, to you. Well, I mean, um, carry your phone turned off or on airplane mode so that you're not getting the microwave radiation. But um, I think that the issue of the effect on the testicles and on pregnancy has not got the attention it needs. And if you'll give me a moment, I'd like to tell you about some very basic experiments that have been done. At the Cleveland Clinic, <clears throat> which is one of the top research institutions of its kind in the United States, they have taken men who've come in for fertility problems and they've noted that those with the largest fertility problems have been the ones with the heaviest cell phone use in their pockets. That's an observation. They further, however, tested it by taking test tubes of sperm from healthy men. And one test tube gets exposed to cell phone radiation for two hours just from typical computer simulated cell phone regulation. So it's controlled. And the other test tube gets no exposure, but is controlled. Now, of course, sperm are not designed to live in test tubes, so they will die. But the rate of death of the sperm in the test tube exposed to microwave radiation is three times faster. And now, as you know, there's something called mitochondria, which is the engine of our cells. And for sperm, they need that engine in order to be successful. The mitochondria, the engine driver of the sperm, of that sperm that's exposed to cell phone radiation, is severely damaged, three times more damaged than that of the unexposed sperm. Mm -hmm. yes, that's, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... that's I, I can just... I mean, I mean it just, just even without those tests being done, it just doesn't... If you're quite in tune with your body, you can actually feel these things on you, and actually... 
it's just it's just uncomfortable. It just doesn't feel right. Um, and you said, is it is the same with with pregnant women? What are the tests that you've seen done with? Well, those? as a matter of fact. We, we're not allowed, after the Nuremberg Protocols, of course, to experiment on people without their permission. Mm-hmm. How ironic it is, though, that we give people cell phones without explicitly telling them never to keep it on the body. Now, for pregnancy, here's what we know. Studies have been done in laboratories supported by NATO and the European Union that have taken animals that have established records of how to study them genetically and expose them during pregnancy to cell phone radiation, like you would get during the day. And they have found that they produce lower birth weight babies with smaller brains, more damage to their liver and skin and to the hippocampus and cerebellum, which is the part of the brain responsible for impulse control, and thinking. Now, these studies have been replicated many, many times, and they are generally ignored by the reviewing bodies so far, such as the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection, which says that the studies are not sufficiently high quality. Well, you know, here's what we're doing. If we reject these studies, and I don't agree, I think they are of high quality, many of them. If we reject these studies and continue to give pregnant women cell phones without explicitly telling them to keep it off the abdomen, we are treating them like lab rats in an experiment with no controls. Now, in terms of human results, there are some limited data suggesting that women who keep phones in their pockets have children with more attention deficit disorders and behavioral problems. But it's hard to know because as if you look down the street, you will see many mums with their babies in trams and they are on the phone instead of looking and talking to the baby. Mm -hmm. And the way infants learn to talk is by babbling back and forth to adults and eventually making sounds become words. And there are studies showing that children and toddlers of mothers who use their phones more have delays in speech development. Yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine that being true. I mean, I, I've even seen saying, I mean, it's two, two things with that. I've, I, I even what happens when when children stop <laughs> being connected to a parent and they said they're actually connected to a, a mobile tablet um that's that's going to be a problem i think coming up because i've seen things being released like the ipotty and, and like the fisher price with a t- got a tablet right. cut and so these babies these children are playing with these tablets from day dot uh, and, and rather than interacting with their parents that's going to open up a big can of worms i mean i don't even know when they feel more connected to a computer screen than they do their actual mum and dad. Now that's something else we can talk about, but um, probably for a different time. But uh, this is, I mean, you said about it being a possible carcinogen. Didn't the WHO, the World Health Organization, said it was a possible carcinogen in 2011 study? Is Le- that correct? Yes, and my, Dr. Professor Miller, Professor Sasko, and I and others have concluded, we published, uh, I think in 2015, with Lloyd Morgan, an analysis that said that cell phone radiation it should be classified as a probable human carcinogen, 2A. And just at this meeting we recently held, we have concluded it should be really classified as a known human carcinogen, class 1. Okay. And this, so you mentioned a few things there. So you mentioned, you said about people not actually knowing their... their um, they haven't even been told about the dangers it could be for pregnant women keeping it on their abdomen, for example, men buy it in, buy it in their pocket, their testicles. Um, I want to go into a honeybee study just in a second because I know that's a very interesting one that I've heard you mention. But there's something that you, you did on, on one of your lectures I've seen you do, and it's you, you tell people about their iPhone. If they go into settings and then they go into general and about and legal, then RF exposure, it actually Correct. tells people that these phones are giving out radiation a lot higher than what they, they should be have on their body. Is that correct? That is correct. You can go into your phone and you go to your settings. And as you just said, you go to general, 
uh, about, then you scroll all the way down to the bottom to something called legal, and then you get to RF exposure. And they've recently, they keep changing it for the iPhone, but all phones come with fine print warnings. And if you go to our website, ehtrust.org and just search for fine print warnings you will find the fine print warnings that come on all these devices now right now in the united states and frankly ryan i'm hoping i don't mean to put you on the spot too much that you and others in london will champion the right to know about cell phone radiation for london we have a right to know law that was drafted by the city of berkeley with Professor Lawrence Lessig, one of the country's top constitutional law experts on the First Amendment right to know. And that law simply says people have a right to know that phones are tested off the body. All phones are tested with a spacer up to one inch off the body and with a pinna, which is the fancy name for ear, which is off the head. Now, you know, if you've tried to hear a phone, people smush it directly to the head because you can't hear. That is why EH Trust recommends that you use phones only with a speakerphone or a headset. And as I have mine now, it's about a foot away on the table and it's on airplane mode because I'm certainly not going to take any calls now. And I generally use it more as an answering machine, uh, except if there's something very urgent, in which case I use it for short calls because a long call should always be on a landline so i'm hoping that you in london will organize a right to know law about cell phone radiation so that the information that is currently buried inside all of these devices will be made publicly known and let me give you an example a router or a baby monitor comes tested at 20 centimeters away from an adult male weighing 220 pounds. About, a, I think, uh, let's see, 100, uh, 100 odd kilos. Yeah, 100 kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more. Uh, and that device should never be kept closer than that, according to the manufacturers. Now, my advice is, I think baby monitors are overused and are only appropriate for very sick babies, Uh, where you have serious health issues of concern. But the larger issue is that nobody is aware of this. And people in London, just like people in Berkeley and all over the world, have the right to know that devices are tested off the body. Um, That's why the important developments in France really need to be more broadly appreciated. And I, I think that if you can develop a draft legislation on this issue, um, paralleling what we've done at Berkeley, it would give even more impetus to this effort, which is also being carried out in Cyprus uh, and other countries. So, well, yeah, we definitely do need that. We definitely do need to get behind this and for people to know because it's just, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The thing is with this as well, Deborah, is people generally are doing so many. This is the thing; they're doing so many other things wrong. General population in terms of their health, eating right, extremely stressed, not exercising enough, not getting enough vitamin D, putting lots of toxic toxins on their skin, etc., etc. You add all those up and you throw this into the mix, and it just—it's like a—it's just like a, for a better word, it's just a shitstorm, right? Um, well, so. it's over. It can be overwhelming, but you know, yeah. Ryan, just as you've said, you start with something simple, mm-hmm. all right? You've said, eat simple foods, right? Mm-hmm. Eat low on the food chain, uh, live high in the watershed. Um, exercise is critically important, except not during periods of intense air pollution. All of those things you've advised your listeners, and I think now we have to say this. Cell phone and other wireless radiation weakens membranes of every cell in the body. That means that it is now being used for medical purposes to enhance the delivery of chemotherapy agents into the body. Because cell phone, that cell phone-like radiation is being used in medicine today to increase absorption of drugs, including chemotherapy. 
So whenever you're exposing yourself to cell phone radiation close to your body, you are weakening membranes and any toxic material you may have breathed in or drunk or eaten will be absorbed more deeply into the nucleus of your cells. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty worrying, um, to be honest with you. And you've even said as well before, I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to, on a cellular level, guys, that's, that's, getting, that's getting very... Uh... Well, now let me tell you something I think you will be very interested in. There are a number of nutritional um, ingredients that clearly block the damaging effects of cell phone radiation. And you can probably guess what one of them is. You want me to have a guess? Sure. Let me have a guess. Um, in terms of, if I go for a food, I'd say something on the cellular level, maybe like turmeric, something like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay, and, and also the omega-3 fatty acids yep. and polyphenols. There are experimental studies. Again, we experiment with cell cultures in animals to prevent harm in humans, showing that if you first expose animals to a protective agent, such as green tea or um, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, like you can get from uh, fish, as long as the fish isn't contaminated, or from krill, etc., that those things then substantially reduce the damaging effect of the cell phone radiation. Now, as you know, DNA is designed to repair damage. And if we give it the proper nutrition and the right amount of exercise, not too much and not too little, then we can enhance our own body's natural ability to repair DNA damage. So the body, uh, as I always say to my, my clients and to all my listeners, the body is a miraculous thing and, and give it give it the right circumstances, it will heal and it will do miraculous things. So it's great to know that we can actually have an impact on that. And if you add to that, as you say, putting your phone on airplane mode and switching off your, wi- your Wi-Fi in the evening, that goes a long way to helping, right? That is correct. And I think that what we are doing is we don't want, this is not a message of doom and gloom. Because even people who are experiencing sensitivity, hypersensitivity to radiation, have found that when they increase these things in their diet and make sure to sleep in the dark in a room that is unplugged, they can restore their health. The thing you've mentioned as well before, Deborah, is this, um, because you mentioned about... um, about how, how well it is now a type 1 carcinogen. I just want to go into this a little bit more because I've heard you also say that since 1997 uh, secondary insurers don't even cover cover health damages from wireless so it seems like I mean they, they, they know about this right they know that this isn't this, oh yes they've known about yeah. right. they have yeah and so it, it all gets really so thank god for someone like you coming out and actually speaking about it and coming out that they're probably not very happy about but it seems like this is they've known this for a while and it, uh, just, just explain a little bit about the, the frequencies and, and the, the radio waves that my, mobile phones use is it similar to a microwave it's, a, it's identical to a microwave oven the difference is the microwave oven has much higher power up to a thousand watts of 2.4 gigahertz 2.4 billion cycles a second the cell phone has less than one watt of power so it doesn't work to have its effect through its power. But the signal in the microwave oven is continuous so that it can cook food by moving the, basically by generating heat, anything that contains water or fat gets heated in the microwave. And the microwave oven, you know, they all have a turntable in it because the, the waves bounce off the metal walls. And if you don't move the object consistently it will get cooked in one side and not in the other well the cell phone doesn't work through its power it doesn't cook anything but the radiation of the phone is irregular it's pulsed it's like and it's that erratic signal over thousands of minutes over hundreds of months 
over a lifetime that results in the fact that people with about 800 or more hours of intense cell phone use regularly show a statistically significant increase in a very malignant brain cancer. And that same very malignant brain cancer, which is very rare in rats or humans, showed up in the largest animal study ever done by the U.S. government, the National Toxicology Program study. I mean, it, that's, that's the, uh, well, you said, I'm going back a little bit, when you started that, you said it, it's fat and water, which is what a breast is, correct? Yes, and the breast, because it's all fat, should never have a cell phone directly next to it, yeah. because yeah. fat, of course, will absorb the signal completely. The, the reason why your head, of course, has a big, thick skull mm -hmm. as an adult, and that actually uh, absorbs more of the radiation, which is why a child with a thinner skull absorbs proportionally more than an adult. And even if a child absorbed the same amount of radiation as an adult, children developmentally are still growing, and their brain cells are proliferating at a much higher rate than that of an adult. So that that's what people need to. It's a question I was going to ask actually about that because the, obviously the skull of a child is a lot. It's not it's not the same as the skull of an adult. So yeah. these and you've seen two children you say very young ages with with tablets and phones etc. I think even two year olds now are being able to easily work a phone, which is as you said it's, it's worrying about the connection with their parents. But well, school teachers are telling me that they're increasingly concerned that youngsters are coming to school expecting to be entertained and unable to write, unable to put a pen, uh, a crayon or a pencil in their hand to write. And writing, cursive writing, is believed to be critical to the development of empathy, being able to control, coordinate the eye and the hand, the brain and the hand, is thought to be really important to developing empathy and the ability to think about others. And, and the teachers are saying that that's, that's, that's missing. Yes. Yeah, that's that's worrying as well. It's 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 just yeah. It's it's just it's just it's got a bit of a double-edged sword, really, because it's just as you say, people are constantly wanting to be entertained, and people understand the the, the brain is like a picture machine. It sees images, 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 and people even when they're going to bed, their their phones by their by their side, they're they're looking at things. They constantly be entertained. They can't even have a minute with themselves, which is another thing which is added stress added stress the whole time which goes into so it's not just the radiation with these things although uh, that's what we're here to talk about today it's, it's, it's other problems that we need to, to look into as well but just just for now you said that as well and um, you said about the, the bouncing off of metal and heating things up so I've heard you say be in particular avoid using your phone in cars and elevators and trains because they can act like an antenna is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. And in fact, under some circumstances, if you're in a car with your phone next to your head, your head is the antenna. And that is why the only safe way to use a phone in a car is through the car radio. But then we have the issue of distractibility. And I'm very concerned because no one that I know of has measured what the radiation levels are inside cars. Although I believe that the Tesla um, has lower levels inside it. Many of these electric cars have not, they don't even have to test for the radiation. There's no requirement. Well, they run on batteries as well. I wonder what that's like. But the, the, um, they, they, they've actually put in Wi Fi in cars now as well, uh, Deborah. So people are going to be having the Wi Fi through them the whole time. They'll have a mobile hotspot in their own car. Yeah. Right. Phenomenal. And we have no idea what that exposure will mean. Nope. No, but as you said, we are the guinea pigs, we are the experiment. I just want to touch on a couple more things and then I'll let you go because I know you, you've got your 12-year-old uh, grandson there you want to spend time with. So just quickly, um, you mentioned about the sperm and how it got affected. There was a study that you brought up and I heard you talk about that's really interesting and it's a honeybee study. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Well, there have been several studies on honeybees, actually, and you can find this again on our website, ehtrust.org. You can find information on our Facebook page for Environmental Health Trust. And I'm supposed to tell everybody to like us, which I don't quite know why, but please do, and please do use whatever you can to let people know about this growing um, an important issue because we can do something about it. You know, you just like, as you say, with nutrition, you can control what you put in your body. You can control your exposures and that of your family. 
Now, with respect to honeybees, there are many different factors that are relevant to the decline in honeybees in some areas of the world. Neonicotinoid pesticides have clearly been identified as one important factor because they've been increasing in use and where they've been increasing, there's been a decline and there have been detailed molecular studies showing that they have an effect. But studies have been done where they've taken experimental beehives, three separate hives that are identical. One hive gets a cell phone in it, one hive gets no phone, one hive gets a cell phone in it that's not turned on. And after they looked at those hives after um, a period of exposure from the cell phone, they have found that the hives in which the cell phone was turned on, bees stop trying to work to make honey and they stop coming back to the hive. The hive starts to look deserted because the cell phone radiation is damaging the ability of bees to do their job of, of making honey. And there have been detailed studies of the bee dance and the bee behaviors, which have been studied for years by experts in bee behavior. And they've all shown clear evidence that cell phone radiation damages bees. Now one could say, well, bees don't make cell phone calls. Of course, that's true. But what this raises the question of is what are the impacts over a long time of exposing bees and other animals to these kinds of, of radiation. Recently, a study was done also in India uh, that looks really important, where they took people and measured how far away they lived from cell phone tower, and they measured the actual radiation in their homes, their amount of cell phone use, etc. Now, of course, subjective symptoms, headaches and things, were higher in people who could see the towers, etc., but people can dismiss that. But they also looked at the blood of people in these different areas. And they found evidence of biological damage in the bloodstream of these people who lived closer to the cell tower radiation. And I think that that is one very important indication that we've got to take seriously. We don't need to panic because our society is made better by the emergency response capabilities we have. Commerce in Africa and developing countries is revolutionized, but we will be regretting it, and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be regretting it if we have given them, in exchange for this technology, a burden of disease unlike anything the world has ever known. And we can and should now take steps to reduce the amount of radiation from towers, from phones, we need to design better software and better hardware, and there are things that can be done. And until those things are done by the companies, the most important thing I can tell you and your listeners is to remember that distance is your friend. Distance from phones, from devices, from routers, as far as you can control it. And that is why it's so important that with respect to the proposed demonstration of 5G that's about to start in London, people get informed and start to ask hard questions about how you can make this technology safer and how to test it before you start to experiment on people without any controls. It should be tested in animals. And there are some studies which we have on our website at ehtrust.org if you search on 5G that show that 5G does not get far into the skin, but it does interact with the sweat ducts of the skin, just like an antenna. So your skin is serving as an antenna for 5G. And also 5G can accelerate the growth of damaging bacteria. If those things turn out to be true scientifically, and they appear to be, then we've got to rethink our wide-scale introduction of this technology. But there are simple things you can do, and the most simple thing I can tell you, again, is distance is your friend. If you must use a phone, use a headset or a speakerphone. It is not a toy. It should not be given to children as a pacifier. If you must give your child a device, put it on airplane mode, download whatever it is they need to see before you give it to them. 
And as in Israel and many countries, cell phones should not be used in schools by students or teachers because they just produce too much uncontrolled exposures that have not been evaluated. 100%. I agree with it. I mean, I mean, the thing that you said, in Belgium, no phones for the children under seven, which sounds great to me. And you see, you see children even putting these things in their mouths and stuff. That's worrying. Of course. Yeah. That's what babies do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm proud to say that the iBouncy chair has been taken off the market. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> and, uh, well, we, I think, yes, and the American Academy of Pediatrics and Environmental Health Trust played a role in having that happen oh, because we simply showed the movie, which you can find on our website, of what the iBouncy chair looks like. And you see this three-month-old baby all agog and entranced with these signals, but they're not learning anything, and it's simply interfering with normal baby brain development yeah a lot yeah uh, and, and what you said there as well about the blood of people i mean it's and they, and they say when they get when people have got uh, headaches and things like that they can they can ignore it but it sounds a bit like evan brockovich stuff to me you know they're always going to ignore it until uh, until they, obviously people start getting serious serious problems um and you can't really metabolic damage to the blood you can't really ignore that and uh, you've you've mentioned before but a lot of these tests people get there's lots of inconsistent results. The last thing I want to touch on before I let you go, Deborah, because I know you've got to go. People get, uh, there's some inconsistent results around this. And you said some, some tests have shown that there's no, there's no correlation between any sort of disease or anything when it comes to mobile phones. But you mentioned this being sponsored research uh, and these companies calling for research rather than funding it. So what do you, what do you mean by that? Just quickly. Well, what, uh, what we have shown is that um, if you look at the studies that have been funded by industry, what you said, sorry, Deborah, quickly, you said they war gamed the science. That was the quote yes. you used. Uh, that is a quote from my book. My book is called Disconnect: The Truth About Cell Phone Radiation. I always forget to tell people about it. You can get it on Amazon. Please buy the one with the uh, Hispanic young man on the cover. Um, Disconnect: The Truth About Cell Phone Radiation. In the afterword, I point out a memo from Motorola to their public relations agency that says we must, quote, war hyphen game the science. Now, the, what you were talking about, the inconsistent results, there's a new Australian group that has been formed that is putting up information on um, what really is known about um, the literature on cell phone radiation. And um, they are doing a systematic analysis, and they are showing again, that when you look at independent scientific advice, it's much more likely to find uh, a result. The new Austral Australasian Association is called ORSAA.org. And it, it is uh, doing an excellent job of reviewing what information exists in the scientific literature and has an excellent knowledge base for anyone who wants to get into it in more detail. And they are going through systematically and putting up the literature and evaluating who sponsored it and what the results are. And they consistently find that work sponsored by industry tends to find no effect, whereas the limited studies done independently tend to find problems. And that is why it's really important for people to understand that while a lot of the literature shows no effect, when you look carefully at studies in terms of sponsorship, you do find an increase uh, in, in damage. And I'm afraid I must go now, but I want to thank you very much. And perhaps we can follow up on some of these things at a later date. Or you can talk to my colleagues from Australia, who I'm sure would be glad to tell you about what they are doing there uh, with their new system of a knowledge database, and again, um, that is uh, ORSAA.org. Awesome. Thank you very much, Deborah, for that, and for giving us your time. Go and have some uh, some playtime with, you, with your grandchild, but uh, thanks once again for that, and um, yeah, we would definitely will get you on the show. Uh, back on All right, the show. thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Bye-bye. So, guys, that was Dr. Deborah Davis. What an interview. Um, I think that's definitely opened some minds and definitely answered quite a few questions that a lot of you have had and have been asking me, especially around an aeroplane mode, um, how dangerous 
these phones actually are, the impact they're gonna they're gonna have, what you can do around it. Obviously, you said going going wireless. It's actually have internet that's connected to cables. Have them. Have wires. Um, turn off your Wi-Fi at night. Put your phone on airplane mode, especially if you use it as alarm by your bed. Um, and now we've got to start to look into this 5G and see how we can impact that positively because. Um, <laughs> I know that I'm, I'm, there's actually another guy I actually want to get on to and talk to this about because some people experience severe sensitivity to to phones, and other people don't. But when you're talking about pylons and these towers quite close to your house, I mean, as I said, as I said in the episode, it's Erin Brockovich stuff. Wait until it happens to you. All these scientists obviously say there's no connection, etc., because it's big, big payouts if there is um and obviously they've got lots it's actually said billions of pounds have been put into this already so they tend to get what get the result they want because you know everyone's got a price but we really need to be really need to be as um all as one on this because it's going to affect everyone you know and especially the little ones growing up they're getting exposed as you see babies putting the phones in their mouth always on tablets etc and as i said something i really want to talk talk about another day is what happens when people or these children start getting more connected to a tablet or a phone than they do their parents and then how much it actually affects their brain etc as well it's a it's a dangerous dangerous topic and as i said before hopefully that's answered quite a few questions for you um uh, <laughs> any questions you have got around that send them to me at ryan at revive yourself.co happy to answer them and as always as i would like to mention before guys i said beginning of the show if you're dealing with any sort of chronic issue um around adrenal problems thyroid issues gut health skin issues maybe even weight gain that you can't seem to get rid of sleep deprivation whatever it is hormone imbalances then give me a shout and i'll give you the link to that free four-day mini course it should be on the site at www.reviveyourself.co and pop over there for any articles as well um, and you can also find us on facebook at facebook forward slash revive natural health and at uh, instagram on instagram i should say at revive underscore yourself as well so guys that's it for today's episode it was a cracker please let me know what you think please share it with your friends because it's such an important issue and it does affect everyone and as i said before it's this is the thing it's all the accumulation of these things it's not the phones on their own as you said the things you can do but then it's a bad diet and all that and no exercise and not getting enough vitamin d and not drinking the right water and putting all these toxic chemicals on your skin etc etc it's only so much of a burden your body can take before it says no I can't deal with this anymore. It's only, got a, it's only got a certain toxic threshold before you start to get problems. And wherever your genetic weakness is, that's where those problems will come through. So anyway, guys, that's it for today's episode. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 